Hello, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of the Hockey Writers Roundtable season previews as we keep running through the NHL teams as we get ready for the NHL season. And I've got a couple of writers from the New York Islanders we're going through today, Nick Rizzo and Mike Fink. Uh, first of all, Nick, welcome to YouTube as we haven't seen you on any of these shows before. How's it going? Oh, it's going great. I'm happy to be here getting ready for hockey. 51 days, Islanders opening night, ready to go. All right. Well, yeah, it's it's coming. And uh, who knows when people are watching this. The season could be tomorrow. But uh, as we're recording this, it is that long away. But uh, we're going to preview the New York Islanders. And uh, Mike, how's it going? I know you've been on many of these shows, but uh, how's it going right now? Good. Uh, it feels a little different this year. We had a, a a real off season and for a normal one for the first time in a while. So uh, finally learned that August is the uh, recharge the battery batteries month. Uh, for hockey writers, for us writers, we're busy all year. But yeah, I'm feeling good. We're getting ready for the uh, NHL season ahead, which should be a fun one. Yeah, it should be interesting. I As the New York Islanders, they did make the playoffs after a hard battle at the end of the last season, but uh, made it, but then were dispatched pretty quickly. They were uh, eliminated by the Carolina Hurricanes in six games. Um, you were up and down kind of in that series. They, it but Carolina was obviously the better team. They they got through that. And uh, but Lou Lamarillo didn't do much in the offseason, probably not much at all. I mean, addition-wise, they he did re-sign a few guys, Ideally Sorokin, a few pending free agents. Scott Mayfield was re-signed, Pierre Engvall. I I mean, kind of took care of business uh, with the players that he did have. So looks like he just sees this team as good enough, maybe to to make a run at the Stanley Cup or who knows. But uh, we're going to run through each of the position groups and kind of talk about each of them. We'll start with the forwards and the offense. And a couple new new guys, I guess, uh, these guys were trade down on acquisitions. So they're not really, they'll be their first full season with the Islanders, both now long-term contracts. And that's Bo Horvat and Pierre Engvall, both signed. Well, Horvat was a lot earlier, but we'll start with Horvat because he's going to be a pretty big piece of this team. Um, not just this season, but going forward, because it's a long-term contract he's got. We'll start with you, Nick. Uh, what do you see from Bo Horvat coming into this season? I mean, he's not a captain anymore. He was captain of the Vancouver Canucks for quite a while. Um, what do you expect from him going into his first full season with the Islanders? Well, yeah, I mean, for Bo, it's going to be hard, obviously, for him to top the season he was having in Vancouver. His shooting percentage was off the charts before the trade to the Islanders. But, you know, we saw at the beginning the glimpse of him and Barzell for a short stint, and we saw the potential. We saw the two of them on that top line and what they could do together. And, and that's the big story going into camp this year is now you got a healthy Barzell, a full year of Horvat. I mean, the big question is who's going to play on that wing, but that's another discussion. But – for Horvat himself, I think he just needs to really return to being that playmaker and really helping the Islanders out as far as power play specialists do, because that's something that severely lacked in <laughs> last year. So, um, I and, and for Barzell too, I think it's really going to help Barzell. I think that center position sometimes puts a little too much pressure on Barzell. Doesn't allow him to play his offensive game. He's very creative with the puck, as you all could see, you know. So I think on the wing, it's a little less pressure. Allow him maybe to shoot the puck more and Horvat get him in more scoring position. So it's a big year for both, no question. Yeah, uh, first year of his $8.5 million contract as well. Uh, pretty big number for a guy that, uh, you know, he's been pretty consistent. I know that. I mean, uh, 
I was, I cover the Vancouver Canucks. So I know Horvat quite well. And he had, I don't want you, you know, Islanders fans shouldn't expect Horvat to score at, at the clip he was last season. I mean, he's a consistent 25, 30 goal scorer. If he gets that, be happy because that's what he usually does. It, don't be surprised if he goes down from what he did this past season, but um, still going to be that good all around center. And, uh, and that's a guy that I think the Islanders need uh, long-term for sure. All right, Mike, uh, moving on to the other guy that was acquired around the deadline. And that was Pierre Engvall was kind of interesting to see. They weren't sure if he was going to resign, but the Lamarillo saw enough of him and resigned to a pretty good uh, contract, $3 million, not, Obviously not as much as Horvat, but uh, what do you expect from Engvall going into this season? Yeah, I really like, I think a lot of Islanders fans really like Engvall and what he provided for the offense. He's not your traditional top six forward, but he played a top six role alongside Nelson and Palmieri and really formed a good connection with Palmieri with the two uh, skaters. They're both instinctive shooters, but they complemented each other really well on the forward unit. And it's interesting with uh, Engvall, he's entering his prime years, 20, 27, 28, 27. That's your prime years. You got to get the most out of them. So they got him locked up for those years. And it, the question is whether the sample size is enough and convincing enough to say, oh, yeah, he'll keep doing this for another um, another seven years or, or whatever for as long as you need him to. But he's. He was been he was a pleasant surprise, and he's now going to be really an integral part of this offense uh, moving forward. And the Islanders could really use uh, Engvall, Engvall, and him playing at a high level, especially since uh, he's a good shooter. They don't have as many uh, as many good shooters uh, as they want. I mean, that's that's really an issue that goes back to when they uh, let Everly leave in the expansion draft. Uh, <laughs> haven't had a, haven't had a shoot haven't had someone like like Everly really since then, but. Uh, Engvall provides that and it's uh he's not gonna not gonna overwhelm you he's not gonna be like oh it's perennial 20 goal score but like uh but he definitely um adds that spark and uh it's been it's been a nice surprise uh on the and yeah he'll he'll play hopefully he'll play along Nelson we'll see if they move lines around but it seems like that's a good connection especially with playing alongside Palmieri Mm -hmm. for the years to come for the next few years at least for sure. Yeah. I, I think Engvall, I mean, he was buried in Toronto. I think he, he kind of was all over the lineup, but uh, ended up now he's going to have a huge opportunity with New York for sure. I think he was a third line center there. And then yeah, when he, yeah. moved, he moved from the center position to the wing. So, uh, but he's on top six now, which is, good yeah, which is I think he'll have a lot more opportunities for sure with New York than he was with Toronto for sure. Okay. Back to you, Nick. Uh, any storylines, burning questions you have for this uh, forward group? I mean, uh, like I said, they're running back this pretty much the same group at the end of their season and didn't have any success in the playoffs. I guess Lamarillo thinks this group is good enough. Uh, do you think it's good enough? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's the question, right? Lou, Lou consistently, you know, you look at the past three off seasons and it's it's pretty much been the same roster. Lou, Lou's been pretty much status quo over the offseason. He's continually stated he believes in this core group. As a fan and a writer, I, I don't I don't know if I believe in this core group anymore. At this point, they they may the you may have seen the best of them at those back-to-back conference finals runs. You you saw a tired group alongst the year, especially when Barzell went down. You know, now that they're healthy, going into a new year. I mean, the big question for me. It's who's going to play on that top wing spot, like I talked about with Horvat and Barzell. 
And then and then guys like Oliver Wallstrom, you know, we really haven't seen much of him. And and he had the, the knee injury last year, missed the entire season. And, you know, he was a high draft pick, top 10 first round pick. So, you know, seeing a full season of Wallstrom, I mean, he, the kid is a sniper, as we've seen, got great hands. Um, if we could find a you know a goal scorer like him, and and if you know is Zach Parisi coming back? Mm. Another guy who scored twenty one goals last year has yet to officially announce his retirement. So you know we're waiting on that as well. So basically, where are the Islanders going to find their goals? Where is the consistency going to come from? Uh, we know that top line for, that can produce. We know Brock can produce. Andrews Lee's a goal scorer. We need more from Kyle Palmieri, Pajot, Wallstrom, those type of guys. So it's really all about the consistency. Yeah, it's, there's some unknowns there too. Like, uh, it, I mean, like I said, there's a lot, and there's not a lot of young guys that are going to come into this lineup. I, I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. Mike, what do you think about this four group? Uh, do they need more, or is it? Uh, do you have any questions about it to going into the season? Yeah, I think there there definitely is the conversation of where they can add or where they can find uh, another forward to add to that, uh, and whether it's a move or not. Uh, that I mean, people talk about whether the, the Alex DeBrincat talks were real or not, whether they were mm-hmm. the team in, in the trade talks for that reason. I think I think that was more of from the Senators' perspective, perspective what the Senators were looking for. They just needed a, a second team to work with to make a deal work with the Red Wings. But the uh, there were there's there's talk about how how they're going to inject uh, either youth or a, another player in what through a trade or not. So do four would be a player to maybe watch out, but mm-hmm. enough. They're, the big questions otherwise are if they're running it back is how much of um, Bo Horvat are we going to s- see this year? How much of of last year with the seven goals since the trade deadline are we going to see? And he disappeared mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Only one goal, I think, and it was in, in, in the garbage time of the game four mm-hmm. against the Hurricane. So you really can't count that as like, oh, yeah, he scored there. So I think I think the um, what, how how is Horvat going to look this year? And how's he? Gonna, how's Barzell going to look? And is, are we starting to run out of excuses? Where Barzell? Okay, what what is his ceiling? And is he going to finally hit his ceiling this year? Especially you have Horvat on your line. Can you form a top line? That's really what all eyes are going to be on. In if, if Horvat, especially if Horvat can really in a full season, a full training camp, uh, can step up. The comp is Jack Eichel, who when he got traded to the Golden Knights. Didn't have didn't take off at first, and he was also recovering from injury. But after a full season, full training camp, and really acclimated himself to Vegas, he had a great year. But that's the comp. But the uh, I think the only other question I have, and this is something I don't think people are talking about enough, is what the fourth line is going to look like as the year progresses. Because mm-hmm. Clutterbuck and Martin are both over are both in their mid thirties at this point, thirty five, and I believe thirty three. And they're both on their last year of their contract. And this is the type of year where you could start seeing skaters transition into taking on those fourth line roles. The player I like is Hudson Fashing, maybe mm. playing a fourth line role. He's a good checking defense uh, forward, a good defensive forward who could play that. But uh, over the course of the year, we want to see was, is Lane Lambert going to start phasing out Clutterbach mm. and phasing out Martin to say, like, this is the, the, what our future fourth line is going to look like. That's an underrated store on. So I gave you like five just now. Uh, <laughs> I, what are my burning questions? The, those are your, those are a few of them. For, uh, to digest. Yeah. The, the, there's a few. I think the forward group is probably the, with the most questions. I, but you don't know. I mean, I think, 
I think the addition of Horvat is was a good one um, because he is that good all around centerman, and I think he he will add a lot to this team over the time. He does. I just don't think he'll be as big of a goal scorer as a, as he appeared he was for a bit. I think, yeah, I think the thing to the one last thing to know on Horvat is that you mentioned he's a well rounded center. Is that his defensive skills did not wane when he got mm. when he got traded. He he was very valuable on the top six as a defensive center. So. And you saw that, and you're going to see that next mm-hmm. year, at least, at the very least. Yeah, he'll win faceoffs. <laughs> that's a, that's a given. <laughs> okay, uh, let's move on to the defense. And again, no changes really. Um, <laughs> there could be some new names maybe coming into the lineup, but I think the top six is pretty set. I, you know, led by Adam Pellick and Ryan Pulak. I hate those two names are just <laughs> Pellick and Pulak. I. They're the pillars, um, but they did they did add Romanov at the beginning, of, you know, at the draft last draft. Um, had a pretty good season. Noah Dobson, we all know, is an up and coming defenseman. He had another good, uh, really good season too. Um, Mike, what do you see from this defense? Is it uh, a good enough defense for the playoffs? Or, you know, biggest question was Mayfield coming back at that big contract. In seven years, you're like, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't subscribe to this. At, he, I think he's <laughs> he's going to be thirty, uh, thirty one. I think he's thirty now. If I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken, he'll be thirty seven when that contract expires. That's like, you yes. don't. The, the difficult thing with Mayfield is his skill sets age well, but you don't want to bet on that. You don't want to yeah. bet on a thirty five year old defenseman still playing at a high level because how many of those? How many of those can you find? Maybe Brent Burns this past year had a resurgence so you're like oh yeah it could happen to a few <laughs> players but uh the the big question really is, is this is good is the defensive unit good enough to win the playoffs i think it's good enough to win the regular season but mm-hmm. the problem is in the playoffs where this is where the unit was exposed when you're when you need it in the playoffs you need a good defensive unit to play that is not only can has the speed to keep up with good offenses but can open up your offense that you open up your offense at the point mm-hmm. and can uh and can uh, create uh, create at the blue line. You look at all the a lot of teams that win the cup have that have at least one defenseman who can uh, can take the offense to the next level at uh, at the point. And the Islanders don't have that, and that's kind of the burning question entering the season: is mm-hmm. who who can take that next step, and especially on the power play, who can operate the power play at the point because that power play was abysmal last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we've. You, Anyone will tell you for days about how bad the power play was. Uh, so, and that really the starting point for the for an improved power play is who who operates power play from the from the point, and which mm-hmm. defenseman are you going to take there? So, that's the big question: is is uh, is it going to step up in the two way game, and who can who can uh, who can help open things up? Whether it be Dobson, Pollock, with a uh, maybe Romanov gets more time mm-hmm. on the power play. That'd be a bold one but you you could see you could squint and see that happening so that, that those are the two those that's a really the big question marks for their de- defense right now yeah I, I, the power play is definitely a thing i think dobson for sure is the power play guy but i, I do get where you're coming from for sure All right nick what do you think about the islanders defense i mean uh, i said there were some new additions last off season but mm-hmm. nothing this this one um, again, Lamarillo thinks this group is good enough. I, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, obviously that's the question. So, you know, I agree with Mike. And that's the big question really is that power play quarterback. 
We need more uh, – this team needs more offense from the blue line. They need a defenseman, mm-hmm. you know, starting the rush. They really miss a guy like Nick Letty. Obviously, you know, you talk about Noah Dobson, and he had, I believe, 49 points last year, 50 the year before. I mean, mm-hmm. the kid could play, but one thing that he really struggled in the defensive zone, and we saw it kind of the second half of the year, really struggling in his own zone, not very confident getting the puck mm-hmm. out. And, you know, he really struggled in that first-round series, I remember it. Even Lane Lambert scratched him for the last 10 minutes of one of the games. I mean, mm. if Dobson could get to form and, and Romanoff was took a big step last year. So he really struggled at the beginning. But when you look at the second half of the season, he was probably the Islands' strongest defenseman. And, you know, keep it Adam Pellick and Ryan Pollock healthy. And, mm. and, you know, talking about also that bottom pairing, you know, to Sebastian Ajo get that last spot. Uh, a rookie like Samuel Bolduke make that out of camp. You know, we saw mm. him for a little bit. The kids clearly got potential. You know, big, big frame, six four defenseman. So it's really who can fill that last spot. I, I think Ajo eventually will take it, but those, you know, those are definitely a couple of issues going into camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there looks to be one spot they, <laughs> that that's right. contention, unless there's injuries. Yeah. I think last year, Ajo, last year Ajo won the job. It was between yeah. him and Robin Salo. Salo mm-hmm. at first looked like he won it, then Ajo took it, never looked back. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's kind of so you you expect that the same unless things changing at the at the start of the season basically yeah so we'll watch that in camp uh, as as it goes okay goaltending again uh, no changes uh Ilya Sorokin is still the starter and Semyon Varlamov is his backup uh Sorokin is clearly a superstar in the NHL and he's probably going to take the bulk of the load again Vesna caliber season last year so uh, Nick, what do you think about this goaltending? I mean, obviously Sorokin is a, is a star in the league, um, but can he carry the team uh, to the playoffs? Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, goaltending strongest part of this team, right? I mean, even when you look at a guy like Sandy Varlamov and and the reliability, the raw, how reliable of a goalie he's been for the organization. You know, taking the most of back-to-back conference mm-hmm. finals and the re- close relationship between him and Sorokin is obviously so valuable as well. The only thing I ask with Sorokin and the coaching staff is I don't, I don't think he can play another 62 games. Mm. I think we saw a little bit of a burnout, especially in that first-round series. Again, you go back to that. He wasn't himself against Carolina. He, he didn't seem as dominant as he was all regular season. Um, so if they can maybe give Varlamov more playing time, I mean, Lou did bring the 35-year-old back for four <laughs> more years. Nobody knows why four more years, but, hey, he's here. He might as well use him, So and he's very reliable. So – I think if Varlamov could play a little bit more, that's going to go a long way for Soroka. I mean, he's obviously top three goalie in the league right now, no question. Yeah, and and it is keeping him rested, and you don't want him tired going into the playoffs. And and Varlamov is a capable goalie, like you said, right? Okay, Mike, uh, what do you think about the goaltending? I mean, I've read a lot of your articles. <laughs> Soroka, uh, like he should have been uh, more of a Vesna consideration, but. Um, yeah, what do you think about him going to the season or this tandem? I think I had one piece which basically went through why he should have won the Vesna. I think the big <laughs> one was that Windsor not a goaltending stat. And I just went through like a bunch of things where I was like, he he carried them to the playoffs. I think he puts them in a tough predicament in terms of how you use him because it's clear he can start as many games as you want. He's he's one of those goaltenders. There's a few of them, Vasilevsky, Babarovsky where Igor Shosturkin also, where you if, if they ask, hey, can you start on two games on back-to-back? He'll be like, oh, of course I can, <laughs> even though that might not be the ideal thing. They're in a tough spot because 
he yeah he can carry them to the playoffs and if they and if they need him to start every game he will question is is do you want to keep uh starting him with where where you burn potentially burn him out i don't i don't actually it was very interesting uh i mentioned nick mentioned that he looked burnt out in the first round i actually kind of disagree where he without him in that he had some very good performances they don't make a lot of those games close mm. and a lot of those games were one nothing games were two to one games and Sorokin really kept the team in those games it didn't look burnt out the question is do you want to yeah take his load off in the regular season like mm. uh maybe 55 instead of 60 but then you run the risk of missing the playoff the playoffs mm. uh that's kind of that's your question because they are going to be a team that's on the borderline. And if you start Soroka in those extra games, you will get yourself into mm-hmm. the, uh, into the playoffs with him. With it be, I mean, Verlamov could back you could be the backup for those games, but you wonder when, when, when he's going to fall off. Cause he is 35 mm-hmm. when that production starts to, to slide. But, uh, but that, that is kind of the goaltending. Like, yeah, it raises your floor. The Soroka is going to do that. He's going to get, he's going to get you to the playoffs. If, if yeah. you want to start him every game, that's kind of where they are. They are. <laughs> yeah, the goaltending is interesting in the league now. It's it's not a one person show anymore. I, I, there's a few teams that have that, but you need two goalies, um, I think, uh, yeah. to make it. All right, now we've looked at all three position groups. Uh, Nick, do you think where do they stack up in this division? I mean. This division is tough. Uh, the Metro is not an easy division. There's quite a few really good teams. I, uh, you know, the top with the Carolina Hurricanes, they got, I mean, arguably they got better in the offseason. I uh, got the Rangers. Uh, you've got, you've got quite the, the Devils are now a, a, a force again. I mean, yep. there's a lot of competition. Where do they stack up in the division right now? Yeah. I mean, like you said, this division is tough. There's no question. I mean, Rangers, Devils, Hurricanes, Penguins. I mean, where does it end? <laughs> I, you know, I personally, you look at, I think Carolina is going to be at the top of the division. You know, the Devils right there with the Rangers. But I, I see the Islanders as one of the wild card teams again. Mm. Um, I, I think it's going to be a grind. Uh, it's going to take them a full 82, maybe not the full 82 games like this year, but it's going to come down to that last week of the season. They're going to be battling for those bottom two wild card spots. Um, it's going to be very similar. Strong goaltending is going to get them there. Soroka is going to carry them to a playoff spot. And, you know, hopefully they can get one of those bottom two wildcard spots. I think it's going to be a very similar year because it's, like we said, it's a very similar team the last yeah. year. So. <laughs> Barring yeah, any crazy it, trade. Right? Barring any, yeah. <laughs> well, that would be great, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike, uh, do you agree? Are they a wildcard team? Uh, you know, this, like I say, this division really got – I don't know if it got stronger or just the same and, and it was tough last season anyway. So <laughs> I always find it funny when people talk about the Eastern conference being really stacked and the Western conference, not when the Western conference has won the cup back to back years. Like, it's always funny. Like that's just a side note. People are always like, Oh, the Eastern conference is so much better than the Western conference. Like, Hey, all it takes is one really good yeah. Western conference team to make that's it true. out. Yeah. And they could win it. Uh, in terms of the uh, Islanders and the Metro is, it, this is kind of the interesting conversation because the Metro is better, and it's always easy to say, oh, yeah, they're going to take a step back. But, again, when you have a good sort of court, you have a good defensive unit, you have a great goaltending unit, your floor is higher. Mm-hmm. So I, I think they're in they're in the second tier in, the, in the, their division, which is – so you have Del- the Hurricanes and Devils, like, right there in tier mm-hmm. – for top tier. They're, like, the two 
when they played each other in that second round, it was like, this is the pinnacle of the <laughs> Metropolitan Division. This is like the two the two best teams going at it. Yeah. And I mean, of course, of course, some fans said the Islanders pushed the Hurricanes to six, but mm. Devils could only go five. Mm. So uh, that gives that's just more of their a tough matchup for anyone they faced. But uh, the Islanders were, but uh, they're in that second tier. They're mm. in that I'd say the Penguins who got Carlson, so they're obviously going to be back in that mix. They were only a few points out of the playoffs to begin with. They're back in the mix. The Rangers, I I kind of see them taking a step back after they went mm. they went all in. And they got Tarasenko, they got Patrick Kane, and Tarasenko's not back. And Kane, it's unlikely he'll be back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see them kind of taking a step back. And the Islanders are in that tier with them, the Penguins. And it's hard, yeah, it's hard seeing, yeah, that after that, you're like, do the Capitals uh, bounce back? It's hard seeing the Capitals doing that. And then the Flyers and the Blue Jacks. So that, that's tier three. So yeah. they're in that second tier uh, in their division. And then the big question is what the, the the um Atlantic division looks like with the Sabres take a big leap did the Red Wings take a big leap yeah. the Sabres could still so all those teams like what's going to happen there but they're yeah they're in that second tier which I guess is good enough for a wild card spot or at least yeah playoff spot yeah the Atlantic is gonna yeah that's another story <laughs> the Atlantic yeah. division is tough too you got previews to get to get to <laughs> <laughs> okay uh let's get to our quick fire round these are fun questions that fire you and Lots of these are can be crafted into articles. They've already been written at the Hockey Raiders, but uh, these will be quick ones. Uh, Nick, we'll start with you for this first one. Uh, pick one or two breakout stars for this season for the Islanders. Uh, yeah, I'm mean, a guy I talked about earlier, Oliver Wallstrom. Really high on him coming back uh, for a full year after that knee injury. Uh, this kid really is a, a true goal scorer when you see that shot, that wrist shot. Uh, and, and obviously, they're severely lacking that. And the other guy I'm going to go with, Pierre Angvold. I mm. think that um, coming off uh, like another strong year, um, he really fit in. I found a home on that second line with Nelson and Palmieri and, you know, signing up to that seven-year deal was a big commitment by Lou. Um, I think you're looking at another 2025 goal year for Mango. It'd be great. Yeah, I could see that, especially, like I say, he's going to have more opportunities. Yeah. Hey, Mike, uh, breakout stars. I mean, it's got to be Wallstrom, right? It's all <laughs> He is the, the X factor on this yeah. uh, in the forward unit. <laughs> Uh, simply put, we haven't seen much of, we haven't, we, there's so much unknown still. Cause last mm-hmm. year really doesn't count as a full season. So really three years in the NHL, he's, yeah. he's the X factor and he's the breakout star candidate. Like, can he mm-hmm. really, can he become a 20 goal scorer or 30 goal scorer with that shot? Can he elevate the power play? He, yeah. He's, he's the X factor. He's the breakout star, <laughs> uh, on this team. If I had to pick two, uh, like real X factors, I'd say on the defensive end, Sebastian Aho, mm-hmm. who, uh, was a pleasant surprise last year. Maybe in a, maybe he take takes another step forward. And Romanov, maybe if he improves, if he improves, because last year in the second half of the season, really, you everyone really saw like what Romanov can become. Mm-hmm. As like, I like I compare his his style to a heat sinking missile, where he just like mm-hmm. he go he sees he sees the person fucking just like goes right at him. He's gonna <laughs> level that, and he he is very. I don't fans love him for that. Like he just he, he'll he'll take he'll take the other forward out out of the play. And he, but like he's a heat sink missile, so like doesn't always control it. But uh, those are those are your X factors. <laughs> All right, uh, back to you, Nick. A player that needs to bounce back from last season. Yeah, so look, you know, you look at last year, and I would say a guy like Casey Sizikas. You know, mm. obviously, he what he brings every night, 
the grit, the heart, you know, the defensive play, the energy. That's always been there with Casey. But in years past, he's put up a little better offensive numbers. Mm. You know, even having 20 goals under the year under Barry Trotz, Trotz's first year with the Islanders. You know, I think Sadikas has, you know, underrated offensive skills. And he gets scoring chances, too, because he's always working. He's always with the first one in the offensive zone. So, you know, if they can maybe get double-digit goals from Sezikis, I think that would be great. Yeah, I like Sezikis' game. I've always liked it. So, uh, yeah, that's that would be good for, for the Islanders for sure. All right, Mike, uh, bounce back uh, candidate for this season. Okay. I don't know if you could really call it a bounce back as much as uh, taking uh, – I kind of – I kind of want – it's kind of interesting. Like Anders Lee is one of those players. that's like, uh, you want to see more. I think is what mm-hmm. is a better way of saying it. Because like he knows where his bread is buttered. And I've actually used that <laughs> term in an article once, where it's like he hangs out in the dirty areas, waits for his goals to come, uh, and he'll just he'll just finish them. But you want to see. I guess you want to see just more from him, especially if he's playing on the top line, where you want to see him become more of a passer, more of a playmaker as, to, as well. So more of that. I think last year for that question, I said Anthony Bovillier and he got traded. So uh, <laughs> we don't want to jinx anyone by saying they're the ex- they're the guy that needs to bounce back. Uh, potentially, Andrew Lee gets traded, even though I don't think he can. He has no movement clause. <laughs> All right. Next, we're going to talk about rookies prospect. Or no, X-Factors. X-Factors. I almost skipped one. Nick, uh, an X-Factor this season. It doesn't have to be a player. Uh, it can be a the power play penalty kill, it can be something like that. Uh, coaching, um, what do you got for next factor? Well, this is an easy one for the Islanders. It's that power play, the one that ranked 30th in the NHL last year and literally contributed absolutely nothing down the stretch and into the postseason. And for you know, to relate that to a player, Noah Dobson is the X factor, mm-hmm. as we talked about. You know, being that power play quarterback, running that power play, and, and also being that offensive defenseman you know, continuing that and getting stronger in his own zone. So I think as far as the power play, no question, biggest X factor <laughs> and no adoption as player. There you go. Connections right there. All right, Mike, what do you got for next factor? I feel like we just answered this. You already said it. It kind of connects. I can't repeat it. Now, now it's like time to squint and see like, okay, who, who else can be uh, our X factor here? Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, aside from Washington, yeah, I agree with the power play, uh, who can operate it. I think X-Factor on the power play, because we're just going to keep drilling this awful power play from last year. Terrible. <laughs> yeah. We need to see, we need to see a, an identity on this power play. They had no direction this mm-hmm. year. We didn't know what they were doing. It was like, okay, like because usually, okay, Barzell is the puck handler, and okay, that's what the power play is going to look like. Who's going to be the quarterback? On? We, need a, we need to see what what the power play is supposed to look like before we can i guess criticize it this year yeah <laughs> well looking at bo horvat uh he scored a lot of goals in the power play with the canucks and if they can kind of craft him being maybe the centerpiece they may be able to do something i don't know it, uh, that bumper position was, was his bread and butter last season it was something i was wondering uh actually as the offseason started is with bo horvat in the power play this is maybe you can answer this did the Canucks power play make him into a good score or did he make the Canucks power play good? Cause like, this is something I wonder as he went on to the Islanders and just disappeared. Maybe that this I, is something maybe. I don't know. I think, I think it may be a little bit of both. Like he was the Canucks power play still was good when he left. Yeah. I mean, they just put someone else in that bumper position. So, I mean, he's, he is really, he scored a lot of goals from that spot. I mean, one timing it or, 
uh, tipping. I mean, that was his office for most of the season. So uh, they can use him in that same position. Maybe I, I don't know what they did with them on the power play when they had him there, but yeah, I think they tried the, they tried the same, but didn't have the same direction. I think that's kind of where you guess, I guess you could see the power play improve. And this is why I asked that because yeah. like, it seemed like the Canucks had a good power play anyway. <laughs> I guess Quinn Hughes was their uh, point man, right? And Elias Pettersson there too. So yeah, and Pettersson. So they need, <laughs> they need those things. They need, um, they just need a uh, Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson. <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> they got Barzell. He, he's a, yeah. he's pretty good. Yeah. Barzell might be the guy then that much. Yeah. Okay, uh, moving on. Uh, rookie prospect, Rick, rookie or prospect that could surprise make the roster of training camp. We'll start with you, Nick, on this one. Yeah, I'm going to go with defenseman Sammy Bolduke. Uh, I wrote about him the other day. How I think you know it's a big step for him in his development. You know, seeing some some time in the NHL last year. Uh, the year before, Barry Trotz raved about him in training camp uh, when he was the Islanders coach. How, how he loves his size, his big frame, and you know he played with confidence when he got called up last year. Um, he definitely struggled. A little bit towards the end, I know he, you know, saw a short stint in the series against the Hurricanes and Lane Lambert, um, you know, spoke about how he struggled, but it was a good experience for the young uh, defenseman. So, you know, I, I think he could be one guy that could make the team out of camp. Um, as far as any other blue liners, he's probably the only one. Yeah, like I said, there's only really one spot available to get. All right, Micah, what do you think? Uh, rookie or prospect could surprise? Yeah, I guess. I'm going to go on the forward side. The eye, the all eyes are on two prospects. I mean, there aren't many to choose from, especially since they traded uh, their best one, Atu Ratu. <laughs> I'm sure you have a, fair, uh, a lot of opinions on, but uh, if I, I'm going to go, I got to go with Dufour. Um, he had, he had, Dufour, he had like you know, a cup of coffee this year in the, uh, with the Islanders. So it doesn't really count, but uh, everyone's seen, the upside in the, in the Quebec junior league, which is you could, you, you could say that's a little, uh, it's not a fair, just a fair judgment of him, but, um, you see, um, he's got a good promising shot. He could be a goal scorer. Uh, if he can make, if he can enter, if he could join the team, even midway through the season, he could be one of those young scorers that Mm -hmm. helps the offense a lot. So Dufour would be, uh, the rookie to keep in mind. Yeah, I, I like DeFour. I, I've liked him throughout his junior career, so I'm, I'm pulling for him for that as well. Okay, back to you, Nick. Uh, a prospect that everyone should be watching this season, and he doesn't have to make the NHL this year, but someone in the system that everyone should be watching. Definitely DeFour has got to be one yeah. of those guys, you know, in Bridgeport <laughs> right now. Um, also, a guy I wrote about recently is Matthew Maggio in Windsor. Mm. Um, the, you know, the former captain, you know, his coach raved about him. Was a Mark Savard rave, raved about his game in in mm. Windsor, so you know that that's another guy. But as like Mike said, I mean the prospect pool is very thin right now. <laughs> so you know, other than Maggio and Boldick, you know, and DeFore, that there really isn't too much that's almost ready to make the next jump to the NHL. Yeah, they they don't have a lot. I, one guy I'll throw out is Kelly Odellius. I don't uh, should be watching him. Good. I I really like. I didn't think. He would drop to the Islanders, but uh, yeah, he, he's a guy to watch for the future. All right, Mike, uh, hopefully I didn't take someone from you, but <laughs> who do you got uh, to watch? Prospect? I wasn't thinking of Odellius, but he he's one of those in the bits that we've seen of him. He's a pro, He has a good two, two-way game mm-hmm. to him, which uh, the Islanders could actually use their blue line. So, could be. I mean, he's, he's on a longer timetable, one yeah. as a defenseman, 
and two from overseas. So like he's coming from overseas, so it takes it will take a little longer. But he's yeah, got to watch. Uh, if I yeah, I mean the prospects we mentioned before. Uh, Maggio's the and Maggio's really the other one to keep an eye out. Uh, the, the question is, um, did the Ontario Hockey League did that? Did those numbers um look deceiving because he had he hmm. he he blew he blew it he blew out the competition out of the water in uh with the Windsor Spitfires but can he uh can he uh do that at the next level can he continue to mm-hmm. be an elite pl- uh forward and, uh that's he's he's the other guy to watch out for but can he continue to <laughs> ascend wouldn't yeah. be bad for a fifth round pick uh just for so sure funny. yeah I funny the Islanders watch those farm, funny the Islanders farm system not great but uh <laughs> Lamorell has been hitting on these fifth round picks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he <should keep> back. <laughs> we'll see. I, I mean, late round picks, they, I always like late round picks making it. So, all right. Uh, this one's a quick one. Uh, who will lead the team in scoring Nick uh, on forwards and defense? Uh, forwards wise, I'm going to go Barzell. I think the full year with Horvat's going to help him so much. Yeah. Hasn't had a playmaker playmaker like that at all. Defense, Noah Dobson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, back, you know, Easy. we talked about him all episode, but he's the key to this power play and, you know, that blue line. There you go. Mike, you agree or are you picking a couple other guys? I'll agree on defense. Dobson's the yeah. guy, um, really the two-way defenseman on on the Islanders. I think in forwards, I'm, I'm going to say Horvat leads them in goals this year. I think if he bounces back and becomes a goal scorer, he'll lead them in goals. And in terms of overall points, I'll still say Brock Nelson. I think it's him until it, it's, it's kind of like it's him until it isn't, where it's like, yeah, he'll just consistently, especially in his past years, he's, he's really hit on, hit it. Um, He's really rounded out his game in the past two years to become that elite uh, point points, uh, points type of player. So mm-hmm. I think he'll actually lead the team in points, uh, but, and Horvat leads in goals. And Barcelona will get a mix of both. <laughs> he'll, just, he'll be, he'll be up, he'll be up there, but. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, if Horvat's scoring, I'm thinking Bar- Barzell is assisting on them. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, player that could be traded before the deadline. Nick, uh, what do you think? Well, for what, if the Islanders are sellers, we talked about that fourth line. Uh, Cal Clutterbuck and Matt Martin both entering the last year of their contracts. I, I don't think they'll be re signed, but you never know what Lou Lamarillo yeah. likes to give out those <laughs> long term extensions to veterans. But, uh, yeah, no, I think those two guys, if the Islanders start entering that seller's market, you know, they could be valuable for a playoff team down the stretch with all that experience. Um, as far as anyone else on the roster, you know, there's not too much. I see Blue offloading um, mm. unless really the team gets into a selling mode. Yeah, I, I don't see it a lot. I'd say probably those two are, are probably the most likely. Mike, what do you think uh, about trade bait for this coming season? Yeah, I mean, it's hard seeing Lou selling. So I mean, it, it really ha- a lot has to go wrong to say like, no, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, if they if they enter that mode, I'd say Pajot and Brock it's Nelson or like maybe the players to watch. With mm. Brock Nelson, his contract expires after he's a free agent in the twenty twenty five off season. So not in the season, but after mm. next season. And you, you, when you mention Brock Nelson in trade, people immediately are like. Especially, you read a comment section on eight hours. People are like, "You're insane, player. <laughs> never trade him." And you shouldn't. That's agreeable. But <laughs> he will be when that contract expires. He'll be 34, 35 in that range. Mm-hmm. It's he. It is hap- It is coming up. So if they're 
if everything's going wrong this year, he's the player that you could potentially move and get like three pieces in return. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's the player to watch. Peugeot's the other one where it's like you could how much you you agree you think the different cat talks are real or not. Mm-hmm. He was in the, he was discussed as a player that could have been moved. He's another player uh, heading into his age thirties, his thirties. Mm-hmm. So you could potentially see him also being moved. Those are the two. I guess I'd say if, if everything's going wrong, see like <laughs> watch out for them. Hopefully, it doesn't get to that point. <laughs> All right, last question of the episode, and I love these ones. These are always fun. Uh, Nick, a bold prediction or a hot take for this coming season? Bold prediction. I, I'm going to say Ilya Sorokin continues that strong season, and even better, he wins the Vesna Trophy this year. Nice. Mike, what do you think? Bold prediction. I was thinking, how bold would that be if he finished second? Uh, I was going to say, like, oh, yeah, Sorokin wins. Uh, <laughs> wins. I mean, yeah, he should He should have won last year, so I, I think uh, <laughs> He'll he'll finish in the as a finalist again. Uh, that's that's not. A, but bold prediction. Uh, I think one that could could be good. A bold one is Bo Horvat is a forty goal scorer. Whoa, yeah. that's a big it would one. Be, yeah. It would be it would be wild. I think the real bold prediction is he has a Jack Eichel like year mm-hmm. where after fully acclimating a full training camp. And I think again important to keep in mind he moved from Vancouver to he moved all across country, different mm-hmm. country, different time zone, and had to acclimate in one in pretty much one month or yeah. a few months to say like, this is your new team, new system, everything. Now he's got a full training camp, has his house on the Island. He, uh, it could be ready for a big year ahead. And that's that he just has another big year. That's, that could be, that's the bold prediction, I guess. He <laughs> was on pace for 50 goals at one point. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy to think about, right? When he's having that, ridiculous of a shooting percentage yeah yeah i i was i was just blown away how much how he just kept scoring it was just yeah. insane but uh yeah it's it's gonna be interesting those are, we talked about horvat a lot in this episode so i for good reason he's gonna be a big part of this team going into this season and in the future so um but thanks nick thanks mike for coming on the show and previewing the islanders um before we get get out of here nick uh, where can everyone find you on social media and uh any other and uh yeah where can everyone come find your stuff yeah you uh follow me on twitter and rizzo 28 and check out my articles on the hockeywriters.com all right mike uh same thing uh social media and uh, yeah i think find? twitter's still up i just double double checking that it didn't like crash <laughs> i think i'm at thinks underscore thoughts there i also got threads which is the new thing uh mike think <laughs> underscore hockey writer which i guess means i also have instagram i don't really use it though <laughs> because in order to get threads you had to get it so uh find me on those two uh places i post about hockey and may uh post about the islanders there uh all the articles and some general nhl stuff too which uh matthew loves editing as as, <laughs> as you experienced <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, check check out all their uh, Nick and Mike's stuff over at uh, the Hockey Writers as well and New York Islanders preview articles and check out everyone that covers the Islanders there. I Actually, I believe both of you are the only two, actually. <laughs> so <laughs> you've got them right here. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, make sure you're checking out all the preview stuff at thehockeywriters.com and uh, follow the YouTube channel and subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. Give this video a like. Comment below and you can answer all those quick fire questions yourself and give us uh, give us your thoughts as well. And um, 
yeah, keep it keep it locked here. Where we're gonna keep uh, doing these preview shows until the beginning of the regular season. Try to get all thirty two teams done, but uh, make sure you're checking all them out. Or if you just wanted to check out this Islanders one, thanks for tuning in. And until next time, we'll see you on another Hockey Writers Roundtable Season Preview Edition. <laughs>